1: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2.
0: Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Delighted to have you with me. The phone number, should you wish to be on the program, 877-973-7425. Those of you just tuning in, remember, if you text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, you can uh, get the show notes, the podcast, the live stream, all that great stuff. Uh, it, we got to go back to a story that just doesn't want to go away. Claudine, Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, more plagiarism charges against her. Uh, will it matter? Possibly not. However, there there's a lot of news here. That's happened over the last couple of weeks while we were gone. Now, this is from Aaron Sibarium at the Free Beacon. Harvard University President Claudine Gay was hit with six additional allegations of plagiarism on Monday in a complaint filed with the university, breathing fresh life into a scandal that has embroiled her nascent presidency and pushed the total number of allegations near 50. Seven of Gay's 17 published works have already been impacted by the scandal. But the new charges, which have not been previously reported, extend into an eighth. In a 2001 article, Gay lifted nearly half a page of material verbatim from another scholar, David Cannon, a political science professor at the University of Wisconsin. The article, The Effect of Minority Districts and Minority Representation on Political Participation in California, includes some of the most extreme and clear-cut cases of plagiarism yet. At one point, Gay borrows four sentences from Cannon's 1999 book, Race, Redistricting, and Representation, The Unintended Consequences of Black Majority Districts, without quotation marks and with only minor semantic tweaks. She does not cite Cannon anywhere in or near the passage, though he does appear in the bibliography. So let me read you. This is what David Cannon wrote in 1999. The Voting Rights Act is often cited as one of the most significant pieces of civil rights legislation passed in our nation's history. The central parts of the Voting Rights Act are Section 2 and Section 5. The former prohibits any state or political subdivision from imposing a voting practice that will deny or abridge the right of any citizen of the United States to vote on account of race or color. The latter was imposed only on covered jurisdiction with a history of past discrimination. That's David Cannon. Claudine Gay. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 is often cited as one of the most significant pieces of civil rights legislation passed in our nation's history. The central parts of the measure are Section 2 and Section 5. Section 2 reiterates the guarantees of the 15th Amendment prohibiting any state or political subdivision from adopting voting practices that deny or abridge the right of any citizen of the United States to vote on account of race or color. Section 5 imposes only uncovered jurisdictions with a history of past discrimination. There are two footnotes as well that are verbatim copies from David Cannon. David Cannon says, I'm not at all concerned about these passages. This isn't even close to an example of academic plagiarism. Now, one part of it is a quote of the legislation and another of the 15th Amendment, so obviously not. However, The Harvard Corporation says it reviewed Gay's publishing um, history and found several cases of inadequate citation, but didn't identify any of the examples described in the new complaint. The discrepancy raises troubling questions about the scope of Gay's plagiarism. Now, it is absolutely true. It's hard to say anything about The Voting Rights Act, other than the Voting Rights Act is cited as one of the most significant pieces of civil rights legislation passed in our nation's history. But it's just, it's word for word. I mean, literally, he writes, the VRA is often cited as one of the most significant pieces of civil rights legislation passed in our nation's history. And she writes, not the VRA, but the Voting Rights Act of 1965, is often cited as one of the most significant pieces of civil rights legislation passed in our nation's history. It's she used him in the bibliography. That's the problem. She clearly read his work. And then quotes extensively from him without giving him attribution. Now, what's notable is that this guy, not my friend David Cannon, but this other David Cannon, says this isn't really academic plagiarism. So while we were away, there was this brilliant Twitter thread from an academic at, uh, I believe it was the University of California, Berkeley. And she starts talking about the flagrant academic plagiarism that's out there. Now, you got to follow along with me on this. So this professor, this lady, she talks about how One of the most famous professors of Shakespeare in the United States is a notorious stealer of other people's ideas and a plagiarist. And that one time, this professor writes, she had an idea and it was based on class conversations in her class. And she decided she was so inspired by this conversation in her class that she was going to write about it and she was so excited about it, she happened to mention it to a group of faculty members of which this guy was one of them. And before she could turn her paper around, this guy she mentioned it to had done it. And in class came in and thanked her and her students for the great idea. And clearly was owning the fact that he took the idea she said she was going to write about from her class discussion and got it done before her and then had the audacity to come into her class and thank her and her students. And the students were appalled at the professor for not more aggressively defending herself, and she felt bad that she hadn't defended herself. So this is, this is rampant on college campuses, and so many members of so many universities think they can get away with it, and particularly the older male professors think they can get away with it, and something has to be done to stop it. Plot twist. She then says, but Claudine Gray- Gay's critics are a bunch of conservatives. And so while I am aware of the mass history of plagiarism on college campuses and the abuse of senior people on college campuses, I have to stand with Claudine Gay because we can't let those conservatives win. Seriously. (laughs) I mean, it was – so what was so funny about this is that a lot of people were recirculating this woman's uh, thread on Twitter. They were recirculating it and saying, look at this, look at this. And they never got to the end with the plot twist where she says essentially these people who are criticizing her are bad. Therefore, we must stand with her. Y'all understand, I hope, that that's one of the hallmarks of totalitarianism. And I, I I'm not saying it flippantly. I'm not just throwing the word out there because people say it about Trump. It actually is one of the hallmarks of totalitarianism is that you cannot allow criticism to come from the other side. You can't allow the other to criticize because if you allow the other to criticize, it is allowing the other to undermine your shared objectives. So in a totalitarian state, they will tend to allow criticism from inside the house but never from outside the house and only inside the house in limited circumstances as long as it's done with a whole lot of praise. Now you find this increasingly tribally in the United States. I've I've got a buddy of mine who one time told me you can criticize the right, particularly the evangelical right, so long as you offer A 1,000 words of praise before you give 50 words of criticism. And it's kind of true. Across the board, tribally these days, criticism from inside the house is acceptable so long as they are assured that you are one of them. They will not abide criticism outside the house. This is part of the problem for Claudine Gay and the left now is there was a rumor that circulated about a week ago, right before Christmas, that she had been told she needed to leave, and she hadn't. She refused. Well, right now, breaking news, the president of Harvard University is resigning. That's right. After all of this news, the president of Harvard University is resigning. Chris Ruffo is one of the people who deserves a lot of credit here. This is happening right now, y'all. Breaking news. As I'm talking about the latest plagiarism scandal, Claudine Gay is resigning. Uh, The Crimson Harvard has the story. Harvard President Claudine Gay will resign Tuesday afternoon, bringing an end to the shortest presidency in the university's history, according to a person with knowledge of the decision. It is not clear who will be appointed to serve as interim president, university spokesman Jonathan Swain declined to comment on Gay's decision to step down. Gay's resignation just six months and two days into her presidency comes amid growing allegations of plagiarism and lasting doubts over her ability to respond to anti-Semitism on campus after her disastrous congressional testimony December 5th. Gay weathered scandal after scandal over her brief tenure, facing national backlash for her administration's response to Hamas's October 7th attack and allegations of plagiarism in her scholarly work. The corporation, the university's highest governing body, is expected to announce the resignation to Harvard affiliates in an email later today. Gay is also expected to make a statement about the decision. The announcement comes three weeks after the corporation announced unanimous support for Gay after extensive deliber- deliberations following the congressional hearing. Now, it was never so unanimous. It never was. People behind the scenes essentially said that the corporation uh, issued the statement and hoped to circle the wagons and became very mindful of the fact that a lot of the professors at Harvard uh, were very upset. Harvard recently in the last year was named uh, the the Ivy League institution uh, least favorable to free speech, which is a pretty bad thing to say something like that. So there you have it. Claudine Gay uh, is resigning from Harvard. Chris Rufo deserves a lot of credit for this and the left will be furious. And think about this professor who said that regardless of the allegations against Gay, the left needed to side with Gay because it was conservatives who wanted to push her out. It should not matter. It should not matter, but it does so much on the left and partially to the right as well. No criticism is allowed from outside the house, but that criticism, has pushed Harvard's president out the door. Just before Christmas, Bill Ackman, the um, philanthropist and, and hedge fund guy who's been pushing for her to be gone since her congressional testimony, said that there was a report that Harvard's board asked her to leave and she refused and threatened litigation if she did. Well, drip, drip, drip. Here comes more. And what's notable, th- think about the way Chris Ruffo played this. It's really genius. They trotted out... A lot of examples of clear plagiarism, but they weren't the strongest examples of clear pra- plagiarism. And Harvard could bat them all down the first round. They batted down the second round, which was a little more substantial. And they said they've reviewed everything, all the accusations. So here comes the third round of plagiarism. Harvard says they reviewed every example and every accusation but not these and they were word for word identical and it doesn't matter that the left-wing professor said it wasn't really academic plagiarism, it was almost word for word what he wrote even when you take out the quotations. And now Harvard president Claudine Gay resigning this afternoon over more accusations of plagiarism. Question is, who are they gonna replace her with? I guarantee you it's gonna be someone just as woke and problematic. So. Guy named Jay Lampert on on Twitter has tweeted out, uh, people in Florida will not be able to know that uh, the Harvard president has resigned uh, because it would run afoul of the don't say gay law in Florida. <laughs> well, I'm on the radio throughout the state, and I will tell you that Harvard's president is out. Uh, a really big deal. You know... So so follow along with my thinking here on this, and this is total speculation on my part. Harvard's corporation circled the wagons around Claudine Gay because they didn't want it to appear that uh, they were being under pressure from conservatives or activists, pro-Israel activists, to oust her. So now she's resigning. Do you really think? Of course, they're not going to find a conservative. But do, do you do you think they're going to go with anyone other than super woke? I can't imagine them uh, going with anyone other than a super woke to to combat this stuff. I, I I don't see how they can do anything other than find another super woke progressive. Now they shouldn't, of course, because one of the things about Claudine Gay's tenure at Harvard is that it became deeply hostile to free speech. It became deeply hostile to any values other than woke cultural values. And it's okay to have a progressive college president. I mean, you're not going to have a conservative college president unless, God bless you, you're at Hillsdale College or something like that. But you can have a liberal college president who supports allowing conservative voices on campus. The University of Chicago is a perfect example of this. At the University of Chicago, they, the administration has a very firm rule about not taking sides in speech, and that all sides are allowed to openly advocate their speech. All sides are allowed to take a stand on thorny issues. But those thorny issues uh, have to be treated respectfully, both sides respecting the other side. Uh, and Claudine Gay wasn't like that at Harvard. She openly took sides and pushed uh, the university to take sides, and it's caused all sorts of problems, including now her ouster, which is a good thing. Um, it's, a, it's a great advance that this has happened, and not a surprise that it's happening as all these Harvard students have been home talking about it outside the Harvard bubble. Outside the Washington bubble, Americans for Prosperity is fighting for free markets and free people. Americans for Prosperity would love to have you on their team. What sets them apart from other conservative groups out there? Well, they're a do tank, not really a think tank. So they do write white papers like a lot of the think tanks in Washington, but they're actually organized at the state level. Uh, They got 36 states organized. And they bring in you, the activists, and educate you about the issues. Like, for example, in my home state of Georgia, there's going to be a big fight on school choice, and Americans for Prosperity fights for school choice. And they've been fighting around the country on this. And so they'll bring in activists. They'll educate them on the best arguments, how to target persuadable members of the state legislature, how to go to them and their neighbors to make the case for it. It's what they do. They do it for free markets and free people. They do it for school choice. They do it for limited government. They do it for tax reform and deregulation. And they want you to be part of their army of activists. All you have to do is go to americansforprosperity.org eric today americans slash E-R-I-C-K. Go sign up with Americans for Prosperity and be a fighter for free markets and free people around the country. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I am happy to have you if you're just tuned in. Claudine Gay is out. Uh, another complaint was filed at Harvard yesterday about her plagiarism. And, well, the chickens came home to roost today, and she is gone. Good. Now, I got to play you a little bit of audio here. This is uh, Representative uh, Tinney. Uh, Representative Tinney is, hang on a second, you know, I'm having a brain fart here. She Cla- I know it's Claudia Tinney. Uh, She is New York, one of the Republican members of New York. I thought it was New York, but all of a sudden I had it in my head. It's not Michigan, is it? No, 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 no. Uh, Listen to this. She, She is a Republican member. She is a Republican member. She is from New York. You need to listen to this.
2: You're going to get more migrants, which is exactly what we're getting. And the costs are, again, astronomical to a state that is in free fall when it comes to our fiscal uh, sanity and our fiscal uh, strength right now. We have so many unfunded mandates and so many taxes that really, where are you going to turn? With, by the way, the largest outmigration of people in the entire nation are leaving New York State. High earners are leaving. They're the ones that pay most of the taxes. So, you know, it would make common, it'd be common sense if Mayor Evans would just say, Let's go with this sanctuary policies. I have a feeling, though, the New York City Council is not going to go along with them because they're, you know, they don't seem to be bothered by this. But I will say one yeah. thing that I'm noticing, Cheryl, and the common denominator in all this is Democrats. I am starting to hear from Democrats, not politicians, Democrats, citizens who are saying enough. And they're mm-hmm. actually talking about deportation, something that would be unheard of uh, prior to this crisis.
0: They're talking about deportation. Something they weren't doing prior to this crisis. Um, you know, Greg Abbott, Ron DeSantis—they've kind of won this fight. They—they've raised enough public awareness in it. Now, this is Brandon Johnson, the communist mayor, and and I hey, listen—he's a communist. He actually is a communist, mayor of Chicago. Mayor Brandon Johnson, you know, we spoke to you, my colleague Bobby Harlow spoke to you a, a couple days ago about this issue as well.
2: The words breaking point are consistently used both in border towns and uh, more in the uh, internal areas of the country right now your guys cities what does that mean
1: is it just a money thing is it a capacity thing what does breaking point actually mean for people who want to understand this yeah what it means is is that you know we we have infrastructure in our local communities um, that are not designed um, to carry such a a burden um local municipalities are not structured um, to be able to carry the weight of, of a crisis like this and i've sent a, a delegation uh, to the border um to see firsthand uh what our bordering cities are experiencing and what we have said repeatedly is that there has to be uh, better coordination um, and without a coordinated operation um this is going to crush um local economies because there is a financial responsibility um, that we have all taken on. And look, the bottom line is this for for at least for for my experiences, is that we have a governor um, in Texas um, that is governing out of fear. And what we need right now, we need sound minds. And that's why I'm grateful uh, for the leadership of Mayor Eric Adams and the leadership of uh, Mayor Mike Johnston, uh, because we are working collectively together to be able to bring some structure around this crisis. (laughs)
0: <laughs> by the way, real quick, breaking news. Claudine Gay has dropped a resignation letter. She's accusing her critics of racism. Uh, you will not be surprised um, to know that it's it's all racism, not her plagiarism. It's racism. Now, to this border issue, Brandon Johnson and Eric Adams, the mayors of Chicago and New York, are overwhelmed by the Amount of illegal immigrants now in their communities who need help. California, by the way, has decided to give them all health insurance. That's right. California, they're going to give them all health insurance on taxpayer dime. Can I tell you what bothers me more than, okay, I, I, I have to be clear here because I, I know there are some persnickety people out there saying, why does it bother you more than than, than it came here? <laughs> there are a lot of graceless people out there. The thing that really bothers me about this, beyond the issue of illegal immigration, let me put it to you that way. The thing that really just irks me in this is the lack of empathy from the Democrats on this. Ironically, Democrats have for years considered themselves the more empathetic of the two parties, more able to relate to people where they are more able to relate to people's walk in life. They never cared about the burdens of the border areas of this country until they themselves were forced to deal with it. They never cared. They they were not bothered by what was happening in El Paso. They were not bothered... By what was happening in Brownsville, Texas. They were not bothered by the border problems in Laredo or McAllen. They were not bothered by the overwhelmed local resources in Rio Bravo. They were not overwhelmed or concerned with the people of Chula Vista or Del Rio. They were Flat out, unconcerned. They never thought it was a problem. They didn't care about the belly aching of the supposed racists of South Texas. The Hispanic residents of South Texas who were supposedly racist didn't bother them till they had to experience it themselves. Like they all became Missourians. God bless. God bless you, Missourians. Your your state motto, the Show Me State. It, with the Democrats all act like they're from Missouri, you got to show them. Uh, show me the problem, or I'm not going to care. Was essentially their their motto. It shouldn't be that way. It it, it, it literally it, it should not be that way. It should not be that you have to see the overwhelming uh, flood of illegal aliens in your state before you care about the plight that the people at the border were doing. We're all in this together. We're all Americans. If something bad happens and I, I don't know, San Francisco, there's a terrorist attack in San Francisco. God forbid there's a terrorist attack. I w- Would you know? <laughs> I'm getting myself in trouble. How would you know, though? Did the sewer system blow up? I, I don't know. It smells like another day in San Francisco. But God forbid there's a terrorist attack in San Francisco. I would want justice for the people of San Francisco. I don't know the people of San Francisco would want to do anything about it. But I myself would want justice for the people of San Francisco. And I myself would be engaged in charitable endeavors to help the people who have suffered from this attack. The left doesn't see it that way. They think the people of South Texas, those racist Hispanics in South Texas, they're supposed to deal with this. Those racist Hispanics in South Texas, they're the ones who got to deal with it. The racist Hispanics in South Texas, it's it's their problem, not, not the people of Chicago or New York. And that's that's the way they view it. That's the way they view it. They're good people in South. Carolina. They're not racist. They're hardworking. A lot of them farmers. A lot of them work for the uh, border enforcement. And they're good people who came here legally. Their parents lived there ancestrally, came here legally. They set up shop. They're legal American citizens. They're voters, and they are concerned with the overwhelmed South border. And Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis together moving illegal aliens to these cities in the north so they could see it. It should have never had to have come to that, but it did. It should have never had to have happened. The people in Chicago and the people in New York should not need to see it for their own eyes in their own communities to understand it's a problem. You shouldn't have to go to New York City and, oh, yeah, the World Trade Center really did fall down. I guess we got to do something. You shouldn't have to go see it for yourself. You can see the images on television. But they didn't do that. They couldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. They could not, would not, will not empathize with Southern conservative-leaning states and the people on the border because of their political identity. Because of their political identity. If it was Democratic mayors, in democratic states, they would be concerned. And now guess what, they are concerned because it is Democrats in democratic states who are complaining. That's the only reason they're taking it seriously now. That's the only reason, is because it's Democrats doing it. It shouldn't have to be that way. Our nation isn't just Democrats and Republicans. They're independents, libertarians, Green Party members, but they're all American. And when a city is having a problem, you shouldn't have to experience the problem yourself in your own city before you care about the problem that city's having. I'm concerned about the homeless problem in California. The problem is the government in California itself is not concerned about the problem. And there's nothing I can do when the government of California decides it's not a problem. We're just going to rename them unhoused. And, and, well, once they get a house, they're no longer homeless. And and the underlying problems, the drug addiction, like, ah, no big deal. I mean, that's poor governance there. But when you have a problem like an overwhelmed border, hundreds of thousands of people coming over, you shouldn't have to go live it to be concerned about it. And the problem is the potential for terrorism now. I mean, this is we're not dealing with hypotheticals here, necessarily. We know bad people have come across. We've caught people coming across who are on the terror watch list. It, not everybody gets caught. Some get away. Former El Paso US Marshal Robert Almonte was on Fox News Live discussing the number of migrants who were encountered and says he's worried about terrorism as illegal immigrants come across. He said he was bracing himself for terror uh, Christmas and New Year's. Thank God it didn't happen. But the terrorists are probably here. They're planning a terror attack. They're going to do it when we least expect it, and then that'll be the wake-up call to finally secure the borders, and it shouldn't have to be that way. And it's true. According to the Customs and Border Patrol, there were 17 encounters of people between ports of entry at the southern border on the FBI's terror watch list in November alone. That's just November 17 who were caught. What about the ones who weren't caught? When you talk about this, the Democrats think it's just fear scenarios, nightmare scenarios, it's never gonna happen. We, these aren't hypotheticals. These are people on the terror watch list who have been caught. We know people have come across the border, Chinese and Russians, Iranians, Iraqis, Syrians. We, 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 we've caught people from all those countries. And those are the ones we've caught. And some of them, we've allowed to let go and wander the country while waiting for their court appearance. These aren't hypothetical situations. It's starting to be a problem even Democrats can't escape. And the problem is that institutionally, philosophically, the Democrats are desperate to ignore the problem because they do see a level of political advantage in flooding the zone with illegal immigrants who they think will ultimately be given American citizenship and vote Democrat. It's, it's all a political ploy for the Democrats. They're putting our lives at stake to try to enhance a Democratic political coalition that probably isn't coming for them anyway. It's sad to see, but at least now, thanks to Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis, these Democrat mayors are paying attention to it. There was credit issues for banks over the Christmas holiday season while we were gone. More banks having trouble, which is it's kind of interesting. You know, as interest rates have gone up, a lot of banks have moved into bonds to try to make some money. And as interest rates went up, the bonds were less valuable. They're, they're undercapitalized now. They're having problems. The feds are trying to figure out what to do. No wonder my friends at Swiss America have been sounding the alarm about the secret war on cash and the all-out assault on our freedoms. With soaring interest rates, squeezing the economy, and banks teetering on collapse, Swiss America can educate you on ways to protect your hard-earned assets now. You need to go read their report, The Secret War on Cash. Your copy is free by calling or texting 800-289-2646. The all-out war on cash includes digital forms of currency. It's spreading daily. Go read The Secret War on Cash. It's free to you guys if you call or text 800-289-2646 and just give them my name, Eric Erickson. You call or text 800-289-2646. You give them my name, Eric Erickson, or you can go to SwissAmerica.com slash Eric that's SwissAmerica.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or call or text my name, Eric Erickson, full name, to 800-289-2646. Message and data rates might apply. Obviously, I got cookbooks for Christmas. Uh, it's what I get for Christmas. Uh, I got, uh, you may want to sit down for this one, <gasps> Paula Deen's Southern Cooking Bible, or Bible of Southern Recipes, something like that, yes. I got one from the Pioneer Woman. I love Reeve Drummond so much. I have all of her cookbooks. Uh, I used to uh, get them sent to, they were, she was always very kind to send them. Um, these days I got to buy them. That's okay. I buy them uh, and I would absolutely buy them. Uh, so I got her latest cookbook, which I didn't have. And my kids got it for me. My daughter got me some Middle Eastern cookbooks because she likes the spice blends. The Middle East wants me to cook more uh, Middle Eastern food. I got to do shawarma for her this week. The one thing I didn't get, uh, I want a a Beretta A400 shotgun. Uh, I want like a 20 or 28-gauge for birds. I don't need a 12-gauge. I didn't get that. My wife said I can go buy it myself if I want it. But I have decided the big purchase I want, and it's expensive, and I don't have the money for it. Somebody's got to give me the money for it. There's a company called Fontana Forney, and they make outdoor pizza ovens. And I've settled. look, there are a bunch of different companies. There's Alpha, there's Fontana, there, there are a bunch of them I've settled on, Fontana. And they make this outdoor pizza oven called the Roma, and it you can do four pizzas at a time. There are four of us in the family, and I got a little rock box, and I can do pizzas for us. But it's one at a time, and I want to be able to do four at a time, get all of them in there together at the same time, and do, like, roasts and stuff. Pizza oven is not just for pizza. It's for roasting meats and stuff like that. And... So, I want this outdoor pizza oven, this ginormous, it's gas and wood, so I can use gas or wood. And I haven't got it, but I've decided my next big cooking purchase is going to be one of these Roma Fontana 40 Roma outdoor grill, uh, outdoor ovens. Cause I want to do pizzas, uh, multiple pizzas at a time. But I've also got a pork loin recipe and I want to be able to bake bread too in it. Because a wood-fired oven baking bread is fantastic. And it's time to up my game. So I haven't gotten that yet. But I will eventually. One day. My wife, I'm going to park in the backyard and not tell my wife when I get it and see what happens. (laughs) Oh, I got so much cooking stuff.
2: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season,
0: LifeLock can help.